Hello and welcome to the I'm a Health Visitor podcast. I'm Jenny and I'm Amy and today we're picking up on a topic that we've seen mentioned a bit on um, social media and health visiting groups and things Mm. um, around weighing and measuring babies and children and there just seems to be a bit of confusion in some um, some people around sort of when to do it, how to do it um, and even where to plot it. So um, we thought we'd have a little dig at the uh, evidence and the advice around yeah. and see if we could um, work out how we're all getting so muddled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Because, um, I mean, I first started looking at this basically because the trust that I trained in, then the trust I did my first kind of 18 months in, and then the trust I then moved to all had yeah. three very different policies on when we measure and what we measure and why we do it the way we do it. So... It yeah. was really interesting for me because I was thinking, how can there be this level of inconsistency? You know, surely yeah. there must be a general advice on this is what you should be doing, when you should be doing it, and this is the rationale for why. Yeah. That must be a national thing. You know, why is it that we're doing length and head circumference at some contacts and not at others? Oh, completely. In completely. some places and yeah. different parts of the country doing it totally differently. I, we We both trained in the same trust didn't we yes and it's quite interesting actually because we've then gone on to work in trusts that used to be together but had had a bit of a divorce a messy separation (laughs) shall we say um so I'm guessing we've actually had fairly similar circumstances because I must say when I joined the joined the trust that I work in I was so shocked that we do length as part of the new birth visit yes yeah because it wasn't something that we had done in new birth visits in my training post at all mm. um and then it's but then that of, seemed very then, normal to me as well because yeah. I thought well of course you know you want to get a baseline and quite often the length that we do is different from the midwifery length because the midwife's one is generally to my understanding done with a tape measure oh Christ! whereas yes. we use the actual length measuring mat which is then the same mat that we'll be using for subsequent measures so it makes sense to have a baseline on the the measuring instrument that you're going to use yes so uh, I have a funny anecdote about this um (laughs) I I have since sort of spoken of the shrinking babies of Wimbledon um because (laughs) the first new birth visit that I did where I was leading it and so as a newly qualified health visitor in a new area very luckily working with a lovely colleague who I had actually known um, when I did my staff nurse in a health visiting team post. Yeah. And so uh, I, you know, got the scales out, got the measuring mat out, Mm. did the length of this baby and proudly declared that the baby was, I mean, the baby was a long baby. It was like 52 centimetres long. (laughs) And I was like, wow, baby's 52 centimetres long. To which the mum looked at me and said, well, it was 55 centimetres in hospital. <laughs> and I, I just was like, I, um, I mean, yeah, I've heard of babies losing weight. It's a common thing. We're all ready for that. But how on earth did they lose an inch? Oh, bless and, you. And uh, my colleague luckily then said, ah, oh, but... You know, and since then it was one of these funny things. I always called it the shrinking babes of Wimbledon phenomena because <laughs> it then the the parents were immediately okay. There's a story behind this. It's fine. It's going to be okay. Oh, bless and you. Uh, and yeah, and uh, I, I explain how they do go around every nook and cranny. And so yes, you know, your baby is 
50 centimeters long whereas I'm measuring it 47 centimeters now because actually that 50 centimeters includes the curve of the head the yeah. curve of the bum up to the crease of the knee and back down again yeah 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 um, so but yeah I mean we've started with length but one of the things that really surprised me about the guidance is actually how um little it's it's suggested that we measure length I was really shocked oh by yeah that. Um, but it's such a tricky thing to do. Yes, yeah. So, so tricky. And I mean, yeah, the amount of babies, parents, the parents aren't looking froggy. <laughs> babies who are looking a bit froggy. Sometimes the parents are looking froggy. Well. Often I'm looking froggy, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I think I maybe don't look froggy. I sometimes sound froggy. Yeah, it's cold <laughs> season in the Harm household here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah so often they're quite scrunched up aren't they yes. well obviously they are when they're little when, they're, when yeah. they're very little and that makes it really tricky to kind of get an accurate um, measure of the length oh, and obviously completely the way it suggests to do it is to put gentle pressure on the knees um and it, it also you know you need two people to get an accurate length yeah one person to hold the head make sure it's up against the, yeah um top plate and and one person to to press down on the knees to get the legs straight um yeah and it can be very tricky it's tricky oh, yes. when they're newborn it's tricky when yeah. they're 12 months old and like get off me it's tricky when yeah. they're six months old and they want to be crawling and the, yeah the amount of times that that pressure on the knees then somehow increases pressure on the bladder and uh, it's very, very lucky that these so are white, true. clean measuring mats yeah. that we use. Possibly even more than they do when we weigh them, which is just bizarre. Oh, yeah. But anyway, so the um, the I guess we should say what the kind of standard advice is from the Royal yes. College. of So the Royal College of Paediatrics and Child Health and the World Health Organization they're obviously the two people that are, you know, the people to go to on this yeah. advice because yeah. obviously the WHO are the ones who've produced these centile charts and they had a massive study, which we can talk about in a little bit of detail, um, the growth standards um, study that then, yeah. you know, worked out what the centiles should be and why they are what they are. It might be useful to talk about that a little bit. Um, Definitely, yeah. But yeah, so they've obviously done the centile charts and then the Royal College and Paediatrics of Child Health, they're the ones that produce all of the guidance on um, yes. for professionals and for parents. Um, and yeah. they have an absolutely fantastic series of fact sheets, which if you have not read these fact sheets and you are a health visitor in current practice in the UK or frankly anywhere... I would sincerely suggest you go away and read them immediately. Because yeah. I'd even seen them, and some of this I'm sure will sound really obvious and simple and basic to health visitors that are listening. But, you know, I'm not too ashamed to say it, there was stuff on here that I was reading thinking, ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and obviously we can't go through all six fact sheets here. No. Um, but they're very practical and not very long. They're all no. one or two sides of A4, so they're well worth a look up. Um, yeah. We'll link to them, obviously, from the blurb. And because actually I think um, I mentioned them in our last podcast about student yeah. nurses as well. Yeah, I Because think they have the whole 
pack that you can just photocopy it or print out mm. and uh, have as a resource for any students to use. And it's just so handy mm. to give them that understanding before they're hitting clinic or the new birth visits yeah. and being able to give them that, that little thing to be able to look at and gives them an extra angle to look at on visits and or in yeah. clinic and things. Yeah. And it... As well, you know, we're often seen as the service that weighs babies and the service that measures babies, which, you know, is obviously a vast oversimplification. And sometimes I think people can <laughs> um, get slightly over-enthusiastic uh, about the weight part and, and actually not really paying attention to all the other stuff um, that we do. In terms of, I don't mean health visitors get over-enthusiastic about yeah. I mean, you know, um, other professionals or people that we work with, commissioners perhaps see the weight that's the obvious thing that we're doing and miss yeah. the other stuff that's going on perhaps under the surface um and it's obviously important to say that quite often people will use weighing their baby as a almost a ticket to see the health visitor yeah definitely it drives me a bit bonkers actually when um we kind of have this conversation and so sort of, I don't know I think it comes up in a lot of areas especially with current pressures on the service mm, but around the whole restricting access to clinics and yeah, stuff like that. yeah and oh you know they're here every week weighing the baby well actually if they are turning up to clinic every week what else is going on yeah why you know they, it's yeah. um there's very very rarely have I really genuinely seen someone coming in just to have the baby weighed and actually of those several of them were just getting the baby weighed but because the baby was on very particular medication yeah. that needs to be calculated to their size mm. um i think we should not be um dismissing how important the these contacts are yeah. because especially you know, access, yeah. for universal families it's like yeah they can easily go from six weeks right up to maybe just under a year old mm. without seeing us at all mm. yeah, yeah. um we we and they they kind of perceive us as being a bit. If we don't, if if they're coming into the one year review and they're like, oh, we've not been weighed since they were sort of eight weeks old, twelve weeks old. Yeah, and they're, they're always they're a bit sheepish. sheepish. About them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, it's and it, fine. <laughs> you don't it, need it. That's that's fine. But at the same time, it's important for them to know that we are there. And actually, if they are curious about it, yeah, yeah. because it, you know, it's like you know, the alternative is, and I have had parents who buy their own scales and do it all at home yeah yeah I have as well it's like my word you know <laughs> yeah and I mean it's... it just concerns me because then you're not showing those parents properly how to plot it and everything yeah. or when to be worried and things yeah. so I mean yeah um... I think it's probably better to do it with a healthcare professional I think that's probably safe yeah. to say um I mean, I, mean I do most of the parents I've had that have bought their own scales at home have been um, parents who've had preterm babies and then yeah. they've been very anxious about weight, which I think has been another issue we've had to kind of talk about and, and sort yeah. of say, you know, that it's only one indicator and actually there's all these other indicators of how much milk baby's getting and, yeah. you know... Um, the weighing before and after feeds is not advised. It's no. not an accurate way of ascertaining yeah. how much milk they're getting and those types of conversations. So sometimes it's just a bit of a, if you notice that someone's weighing their baby very frequently, that can be an opportunity to have a conversation with them about how they're feeling about the weight and is it something they're worried about? And yeah. if so, why is it something they're worried about? Because it might be that we could alleviate some of those concerns with like some yeah. other methods that they can use yeah. or... Um, 
or it might be that this is a sign of them needing a bit of extra support in terms of their anxiety levels. Yeah. Um, um, I do always signpost parents to the information on the, the pull-out leaf in the Red Books because yeah. I think that's so well written yeah, in really, really straightforward terms yeah. without actually causing any anxiety and things or yeah. without also sort of dismissing any concerns they might have. Yeah. Um, and it's just handy. There's so many things in the Red Book that are there that we don't sort of highlight to parents. Yeah. Um, that is something which I think is quite an, an important thing to uh, to get over to them. Yeah, definitely. And there's a... Um the fact sheets that I was talking about, the fact sheet series, there's a, a corresponding one, um, just yeah. a two-page fact sheet for parents. If I've got it, um, understanding growth charts, what they tell you about your child's growth. Yeah, that's it, exactly. And it's basically, the de- the, the notes in the red book are like a, a short summary of, of this information. Um, but yeah. I, what I really like about this document is it's it's almost all of it at least a page and a half of it is frequently asked questions and yes on my experience they really are the frequently asked questions as well <laughs> oh Christ, yeah and yeah. it might even be worth i mean we could always do yeah i was gonna say we could always do a family fortune style thing <laughs> or a, a um, if if you're listening to this having done a clinic um at this week this week or at some point at this week <laughs> let's let's try that bit again if you've done a clinic at all in this the last week. few days yeah. <laughs> um maybe just tick this off yeah have a bingo card ready yeah. and uh, you can you two can play uh, <laughs> clinic bingo with us yeah thank um, you bingo <laughs> so i'm guessing because i've got this in front of me now have you got this in front of you yes yeah Oh, okay. So we, I can't play oh, any games well, with I you then. Well, I can minimise it if you like. Are you going to test me? <laughs> no, that's this all quiz right. thing is becoming a, a frequent feature. I'm not I sure know. I'm a fan. <laughs> the chance to quiz me is always there, Amy. <laughs> Just this it's element always of, like, there. Slight jeopardy has been given. So, uh, well, <laughs> let's recording. let's not quiz. Let's no, do okay, so. Let's um, so yeah, as we said, the frequently asked questions are. Uh, <laughs> My baby's weight was on one centile and now it's nearly down to the next line. Is this normal? Yes. My... <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a really common one, isn't it? Oh, completely. So we're obviously, the um, answer to that is to say that it's normal for them to kind of wiggle up and down a bit. Um, yeah. Or to go up by one centile, down by one centile. Yeah. But it's less common for them to cross two lines. And I think, um, actually, I have the... I have the the data on how frequently a child crosses two lines. Oh, really? Yeah, so it says that weight is most likely to track within one centile space. Yeah. Um, and that obviously if they've been ill or whatever, that can that can lead to a sudden weight loss. But generally it will yes. return to the normal centile within two to three weeks if there's been kind of yeah. an interruption. It does say that if you've seen a sustained drop through two or more weight centile spaces that's unusual and they say fewer than two percent of infants um, Ah. have a sustained drop through two or more weight centile spaces yeah that's interesting so that's obviously based on the um who um, growth standard study because it is something we're going back to our uh, our child health clinics Mm. um it's amazing how many parents come in and the child has been ill in that week yeah and they're kind of, and I think it's often more around the illness and needing that reassurance yeah, that they yeah. they come in. 
But then they say, oh, I want to get them weighed. And the weight's always going to have dipped down a yeah. little bit. And you end up saying <laughs> yeah. to them, okay, yeah, come back in a couple of weeks. We yeah. just double check it's taken off again and things. Yeah. Um, well, and you then, know, my child is, that's another one of the frequently asked questions. My child was ill and yeah. lost some weight. What should I do? I mean, yeah. generally, really, if you're worried that they've lost a bit of weight during the illness, the time to measure it is about three weeks after the illness yes. rather than immediately after, like the day yeah. after. Um, <laughs> because all we're going to do is measure it and say, yeah, they've lost weight. That's right. Come back in three weeks yeah. and tell you whether it's gone yeah. back up. Um, so it kind of oh, just gives dear, them a bit of anxiety, really. But I can totally I think, understand I think why it's a, you want to do yeah. that. And I think, I think it's a lot more around the uh, management of minor illness that they actually are end yes but I don't think they even are aware of that themselves to really no be yeah. able to vocalize that they know they've got this thing they need to see someone mm. they know it's possibly not serious enough to see a GP but mm. want to just get that professional's eyes on them yeah um so the next one or one of the other ones on there is um asking about how tall my child will be as an adult Yes, yeah. And I suppose this one, I possibly get more in developmental reviews than in a child health clinic. It's true, Um, But there is a a formula and um, you can can use it. There are details of it on the, uh, in the um, advice on the Royal College of Paediatrics and Child Health website. Yeah. Um, But the the reading is only ever accurate within about six centimeters yeah so plus or minus um, six centimeters so they could yeah. be six centimeters taller or six centimeters bigger which is about two and a half inches yeah. so if you're thinking of adult height you know two and a half inches either way it's quite a well, bit different yeah it? well it says if someone's Predicted height is 160 centimetres or uh, five foot three. Funny if I do children's weights and lengths all in metric. For my own, I'm yeah, still very much that's imperial. So, true, actually, so if the adult <laughs> predicted height is five foot three, yeah. then roughly what they're saying is they're going to be anywhere between five foot, half an inch, five foot and half an inch and five foot five and a half. Yes. Which is absolutely barking mad yeah it's quite a big error window it's for just error. a really only, huge window for uh, that's error four out of five um adults will be so four out of five times it will fall between yeah those plus or minus six centimeters so one out of yeah. five times it still won't it would be outside of that anyway so i don't think it's a massively accurate tool but it is interesting and really they're only no. ever asking for out of interest um so if you've never seen that tool before, next time you've got a red book in front of you, just have a little look. It's on the growth charts. It's literally at the side of the length growth chart on the length page. Yeah. And what you do is you just read across the centile. So if they're on the 25th centile, that tells you roughly what height they'll be. If they're on the 75th centile, you can read across to what height that will be. Yeah. Perfect. Um, I think another one of these FAQs that's really useful is the one, I didn't breastfeed or I stopped early. Are these charts still right for my baby? And I think that goes back to how the charts were produced, um, which is a question I often get. So people often kind of say to me, well, these charts aren't relevant for my baby anyway because I'm formula feeding and I know that they're based on breastfed infants. But you Which, see, I always get a lot more of people thinking they were based on breastfeed um, on bottle fed infants, do you? Oh, okay. and that they're breastfeeding. Now, I've heard far more people 
sort of almost complaining about the charts from that point of view yeah and sort of saying oh yeah they they have these huge expectations of babies in the early weeks and I do seem to spend my life saying no but that was yeah. quite a while ago these charts came in and have been in now for well over 10 years or so haven't they yeah yeah 2006 I think it was yeah they um I mean it's they are objectively extremely robustly created i think you know that's a fair thing to say to be honest um yeah the growth standard study that they did was a huge study across a massive length of time um i'm trying to get the actual stats up but um it it was obviously looking at breastfed babies exclusively breastfed babies so all the children in the study um were full-term healthy um breastfed babies and the reason yeah. they give for that is that they wanted them to be breastfed babies not because they didn't want to include formula babies but because they were saying breastfeeding represents the optimal way that your child will grow so the most healthy growth and weight patterns can be gained by breastfeeding so if you're formula feeding you want to be sure that your baby also grows in this optimally yes. healthy way so that yeah. should be the standard almost that you're comparing against yeah you're, and that's what you're aiming for really is, is you want them to follow Definitely. that same pattern um whether they're yeah. fed or breastfed this is the pattern we want them to follow yeah um so yes yeah, so i think that's quite a common question that we often get isn't it yes definitely definitely, definitely. and um i think as well the um the sort of the looking at the preterm charts as well yeah um yeah. Because People that is something where, as well, yeah, think, exactly, exactly, and it does make a huge, huge difference. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, I think the only thing that would be useful as well, having had a low birth weight baby myself, would be accommodation for the low birth weight babies. Mm. Because I remember actually, and I, uh, I was talking about this on a um, on the GP Infant Feeding Network Facebook yeah. group the other day, and I've still got tucked in my daughter's red book a bit of graph paper where I plotted her weight gain over the first few weeks on a, I kind of scaled upscaled the graph mm. so that you could really genuinely see whether there had been fluctuations or what, Gosh. because there was such tiny, it was right off the bottom of the 4.4 centile. She was underneath that. And uh, it was so tricky to be able to um, properly review and see what was happening. Um yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I, I did that. I still got it. It's really that, sweet. Oh, that is sweet. It's <laughs> nice to be able to look back at it as well. I mean, there is actually a low birth weight chart, a special low birth weight chart. Ah. Um, and that think... goes right from... So the the premature premature weight chart... Sorry, the... What do they call it? preterm chart yeah the chart that's in the red book already is for use from 32 weeks to 37 weeks so if they're born 37 weeks onwards um, yeah then you plot it on the normal chart if they're born between 32 and 37 weeks then you plot it on the preterm chart that's already in the red book but if they're born um before 32 weeks there's a specialist um preterm chart that goes right from 23 weeks gestation to the corrected age of two years oh blimey but it's also suitable for term neonates or for yeah. young infants who are requiring close monitoring so it would be suitable for a term neonate who had an exceptionally low 
birth weight, for example. Right. Um, which would solve that exact problem that you're talking about. Yeah. And what yeah. you do with this preterm, this special preterm chart, is you can get it from the Royal College of Pediatrics and Child Health um, website. Um, and it's got boxes along the bottom that correspond to the gestational age in weeks. So you so yeah. you would you literally write in the date at I which see. they become 29 weeks and the date yeah. at which they become 30 weeks. So you essentially prepare the chart in advance of using it. Oh. Do you see what I mean? So yeah. there's never any confusion and there's never any like trying to count on your hands or you yeah, know, yeah. in the home. You literally write Populate it all on the chart it. in advance yeah. and then you've got it all and you can easily plot it. Um, Excellent. Which is, I think, really useful. So that's that's yeah. a good thing to know that that's there. If there's anyone that was listening that didn't realise, yeah, I think it um, might be worth um, adding a link to that in the blog. Yeah, definitely. And there's again, there's a fact sheet from the RCPCH on how to use it. So I'll link to that as well. Um, the other Brilliant. question that's good on here, that probably the last one because we don't need to go through all of them, but um, yeah, why are there no centile lines on the charts between birth and two weeks? Yep. So. Obviously, the answer to that is that we don't plot below two weeks because they generally well, we lose do, some weight and regain. Yeah, and they, well, we do, we do plot it, don't we? But we don't have the centile lines because that we understand that the weight where they're going to be in that two week period isn't possibly where they're going to be going and what their typical growth is going to be. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm um, the way I I don't. As I say, the actual detail of the sheet doesn't really stipulate whether we should be plotting it um, prior to two weeks or not. And I was taught not to, so that could be wrong. Um, but ah. I think basically the point that they're making with losing the lines prior to that is that before two weeks, it's so variable that actually knowing what centile it's on before two weeks is not really the important thing. It's no. more about where is your weight in relation to the birth weight. Yeah, and then from two weeks onwards, we're really looking at the centile. So, you know, from for at ten days, for example, yeah, we're not interested in whether the child's on the seventy fifth centile or the twenty fifth centile. Generally, generally speaking, we're more interested in well, what was the birth weight and have they regained yeah. any, any loss? You um, see, the interesting thing with this again is as well that there is a growing um, body of evidence and research into accuracy of birth weight. Sorry, I just yeah, realised really that. Really interesting. That. Yeah, um, and there's a lot of talk around. Well, actually, straight after birth, um, the baby has excess fluid on board. Um, the fluid can be affected by yeah. if. Um, mum has had IV fluids and things during the birth. It's been a complicated birth, mm. and um, there's actual, you know, similar to the sort of um, the sort of campaigning there's been around the um, optimal cord clamping mm. and um, skin to skin straight after birth, even after C sections and things. Mm. There's a growing sort of noise around actually waiting twelve hours to weigh the baby. Okay. And because I'm sure you've seen it before as well, where there's been babies who look so well, so healthy, yeah. are feeding well, lovely sort of good skin turga and yeah, no everything. Other at all. No other issues. Plenty of pop, Yeah, pop them on the scales and they're maybe a good 100 grams or so still under their birth weight yeah. at day 14. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, cripes. And the parents know that's 
that that's what they've been aiming to get to. Yeah. And they immediately feel deflated because yeah. they've felt that everything's going really well. No. Um, and it's been really interesting to see where this goes in years to come and worth highlighting because not people might not be aware that there is this this research going on and things. Yeah. And the other thing, obviously, to say is if they have had gestational diabetes, then it does often take longer for them to get up to their birth weight because their birth weight may have been higher than it would have been otherwise without the gestation. Yeah. So all those things can play a part, can't they? But I think what health visitors maybe need to be able to feel is is confidence in their clinical assessment skills. So actually whatever the scales are telling you to within a certain, you know, remit of rationality. Yeah. If you're looking at the baby, I'm always more interested in what the baby looks like than I am in the numbers on the scales. Because you never know. Definitely. Very rarely and occasionally you can get errors in the birth weight, the birth weight being yeah. documented. You know, maybe they've, they've switched around two numbers, that which would make yeah. a vast difference. That could easily happen. And human error does oh, exist. You know? Um Yeah. And then, you know, it can make a difference what time of the day you weigh them, whether it's you know, um, a Friday one week, then a Monday the following week, or whether it's yes, done yeah. just after a feed or just after a nap, or, yeah. you know, these things can all make a difference, and especially when we're talking about small differences, as we are in terms of the first two weeks. Mm-hmm. Really, if I've got a baby in front of me that I've just observed a feed, I can see them transferring milk, mum's comfortable, feeding's going really well, there's no concerns with that, there's plenty of nappies, they're weeing, they're pooing, yeah. they look well, like you say, no signs yeah. of dehydration at all, and then they're not no. quite regain their birth weight, that's fine. Yeah. I'll just weigh them again yeah. in a week or two. It's not a Definitely. Big, big issue. It's not something I would be really worried about. And no. I think we need to be able to pass on that level of confidence to parents to reassure yeah. them in those types of situations. Definitely, definitely. And I think nine times out of ten parents are attuned to how well baby is gaining weight and um and sort of how baby is in itself mm, yeah and i think it's um it's it's quite nice actually our role is often just sort of empowering them to be confident and to yeah. say yeah that's right yeah yeah and as i mentioned earlier sort of signposting them to that um to the insert in the red book that i mentioned earlier mm. and exactly you know how frequently they should be looking at getting baby weighed and mm. explaining a bit more around why um, yeah. why we recommend, recommend that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which leads me neatly onto the actual recommendations that they make, which I think it would be worth us actually just clearly stating. Because, yeah. Yeah, because there is, you know, there is very clear guidance on this, actually. There's really yeah. clear guidance. So they've said the... This is from the Royal College of Paediatrics and Child Health and the World Health Organisation. And the fact sheet is fact sheet six, plotting and assessing infants and toddlers up to age four years. So if anyone doesn't believe me, <laughs> wants to look it up, um, then you can do. Yeah. Um, because I have to say, I was quite surprised myself. So they've said when to weigh. So they've said after the neonatal period and once feeding is established. So once you know breastfeeding is going well, basically... Um, yeah. or, or in, you've switched to formula or whatever it is you're doing, um, once you've got your feeding established, they only need to be weighed at around 8 weeks, 12 weeks and 16 weeks, and then again at one year. 
And they've Excellent. said that that's the timing of the routine immunizations, obviously, in checks. Yeah. So, yeah. of course, if there's a concern or there's a reason to be weighing, then you weigh more often. But in general, they're saying that weighing at intervals too close together is misleading. Um, and also it causes a lot of anxiety in parents, doesn't it? You know, we know that yeah. when they're weighing them very frequently, it, it kind of is very anxiety can then become driven very much by the centiles and the, the mm-hmm. scales um and like you say it's helping parents to feel confident to be attuned to their baby um, yeah so yeah so they say 8 12 and 16 weeks and then again at a year and they do offer a guidance that says well babies should be weighed no more than once a month before six months once per two months between six and 12 months and once per three months over the age of one year. And they've put a little caveat by that that says most children do not need to be weighed this often. Yeah. So that should be considered very much an upper bound rather Mm -hmm. than a recommendation of how frequently. Yeah. So the recommendation of how frequently is just eight, 12 and 16 weeks and then again at a year. So really very, very, very kind of, big gaps between them but then in the red book it does then say about between like 16 weeks and a year old yeah if they do want to get them weighed in between those times at least four weeks since the last weight yeah because as I often say to parents no baby has ever gained weight just because it was weighed frequently no (laughs) that's true (laughs) and I say I say that having been dragged in fortnightly by my health visitors to have my daughter weighed yes absolutely and I mean the it says well babies should be weighed no more than once a month before six months so that is what it's saying is if there's if you've weighed them more frequently than the 8 12 and 16 weeks then wait wait a month before you weigh them again so you should shouldn't be weighing them more frequently than monthly below six months unless there's a concern obviously if there's a concern but not even once a month to be honest no. You may not well not need it once a month, which I was shocked by. And then, yeah. to add to my shockedness, head circumference length or height should be measured whenever there are worries about a child's weight gain, growth or general health. Yeah. If the weight is below the 0.4th centile. Yeah. If there's very rapid weight gain or if the weight is above the 99.6th centile. So essentially, and then they do have an additional bit about head circumference that I'll come to in a second. But really, to take the message to take from that is about length. So length, they're only recommending we do a length when there's worries about growth or weight gain in other areas. Yeah. Or if the weight is is on... The 0.4th or the 99.6th or outside yeah. of those those centile which, guides. Which makes complete sense. I mean, it ties in with our point earlier about length being so tricky to accurately measure. Yes. Yeah, but yeah. also the length is generally, there's not, whereas with weight gain, it's steady and consistent. Length does at times feel more like a staircase, doesn't it? Yeah, and I know from I mean I I I don't regularly weigh and measure my children anymore, <laughs> but I still do occasionally, yeah, and it yeah. does surprise me with them how actually they can really plateau for several months. I mean, I say several months. I'm not weighing or measuring them any more frequently than no, three no, monthly. No. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> um, normally more tied to what and size a a winter spurt. coat am I getting and things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
and uh, and it is notable how much it does plateau and then will suddenly shoot up an inch yeah. or so and then plateau again yeah. and then shoot up. Yeah. Often can be tighter if they've suddenly started eating vegetables, I find. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're even eating your vegetables? You must be having a growth spurt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, you know, they do say as well, with the length and the head circumference, they recommend that it's good practice to take three measurements and take yes. the average. Which, yeah. when I first read that, I thought, oh dear, I don't really do that. But then when I was thinking about actually how I measure a length, I thought... No, do you know what? I think I probably do. Not even deliberately, but just in the process of doing a length, you squidge their knees and then they wriggle and cry and they, they move and then yeah. you do it again and then yeah. they wriggle and cry again and then you do it, you know. So you you probably do do it three yeah. times before I by the time know, you've actually it, got a measurement. I think it often depends how well, how good the extra pair of hands I'm using are. That's true. Yeah. If uh, <laughs> If they've got a really good hold on the head and or the the child at the top end yeah <laughs> then I'm quite confident and also um I do feel like I have a bit of sixth sense at times about how likely it is they're gonna wee yeah. and uh, <laughs> so yeah I have become queen of the quick release and hands off and uh, <laughs> leap backwards queen yeah backwards. yeah and so, I mean I should say as well because we've not mentioned head circumference at all in yeah, yes, until no, just now. No. And I mean, that is such a big area. There is no way we could do it justice no. um, when we're trying to talk about the length and weight. So do not panic. We are going to be coming back to head circumference and yeah. a few other things relating to head circumferences yeah. in uh, the coming few months. Yeah, um, we are. Yeah, we're going to so. do a specific episode on when we should do head circumferences, why we yeah. should be worried about them, what the specific conditions are that they can be uh, indicative of and, in and, fact, and things like that this could probably be a good time to put a shout out out if you have um interesting um things you've come across in practice around yeah. head circumference yeah. if you've got particular queries about yeah. head circumference then you Send know please away. do let us know do let yeah, us know yeah. we'll go over our contact details in a moment yeah absolutely so the talking of head circumference the guidance on when they do that is that they say it should be done around birth but yeah. not ideally not in the first 24 hours. Yeah. Then You've at got the to give the head chance check. to pop out a bit. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. It's subject to moulding and being squidged and squashed a bit. Um, <laughs> so around birth, but after the first 24 hours. Then again at the eight-week check, and then any time yeah. after that if there are worries about the child's head growth or development. Yeah. So just those two measure points, the baseline and then the eight-week check. Yeah, because um, it's actually on our on our template to do the um, head circumference at nine to twelve months. Yes, and then yeah, we were yeah. reviewing, and there wasn't the evidence base. But again, we will we will talk more about that on the head circumference um, yeah, podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I mean, I think really all of that is obviously for babies where you have absolutely no reason to have any concerns about their growth. Now. Of course, if you've got any reason to worry about their growth, then that's a whole different kettle of fish. And then you may yeah. well be measuring them on a different schedule. So, you know, if you're a health visitor who's listening to this, who's thinking, oh, maybe I'm weighing so-and-so too often. Maybe the thing to do is to question why you're weighing so-and-so. Because yeah. if, it, if you've got a concern about so-and-so or any or mum's got a concern or dad's got a concern or whatever else, that's obviously a reason to weigh in itself. So yeah. it's not necessarily that 
this is only the times but what this is saying is if everything's going well and there's no other concerns you don't need to weigh them very frequently eight twelve and sixteen weeks um and then a year yeah and definitely no more than once a month before six months once per two months between six and twelve months and once per three months um over a year yeah so yeah cool um that's the guidance and um, we've we've got the links to it so if anyone wants to look it up or look at why um yeah the other thing that i came across quite a lot sorry just to say no that's um, all right go ahead it's a little bit tagged on the end now i probably should have mentioned it when we were talking about length but when i was doing the reading on the length i came across a really frequently people being concerned about doing the length frequently um because of hip dysplasia oh yes yes so our policy is that if there's any query around hip dysplasia we do not do the length until they've had the ultrasound scan and been cleared yeah Yeah. and i think that's probably that i don't and nobody would argue with that no well i think it's i think it's just there's too much risk of and it's not so much even that when you're do when you're getting legs out that you're going to damage it damaging it it's that thing of if they suddenly try and move if they wiggle yeah if they fight against it then that that pressure is then likely to cause damage and i think as well the issue there is not that you might cause the damage but it's more that if there's damage there already yes you don't want to be doing the length yeah no so that's if there's a risk factor and we're not sure whether they are whether their hips are do have dysplasia or not then yes. you don't do it of course but yeah I think sorry i think some... rather than sorry yeah. rather than saying causing damage, yeah 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 <laughs> sort of increasing no but it's a good point that you make kind of, yeah. because i think people are worried about causing it as well so i'm glad you said that because mm. um when i was looking it up a lot of the reasoning you know when i talked to colleagues and i talked to other people they said oh but we, we shouldn't be doing the length really frequently because it might no. damage the hips and yeah. that was the reasoning that was used. And I don't know whether that's an anecdotal thing that's come up in practice, but um, I really looked and searched. And I, I could find a bit of evidence in terms of individual studies yeah. um, that, that do suggest that this could be a problem. Um, but when it comes to guidance, um, I couldn't find anything in the WHO no. guidance, in the RCPCH guidance, um, or in that's the NICE really... guidance that would suggest that there is um that there could be damage caused by caused I suppose, to the, to the hips by doing the I length. suppose it comes down to that thing of uh, which often happens with research isn't it it's the the thing where there may not be evidence it causes damage but where is the evidence that it is so beneficial it should be done yes yeah, over yeah. and above the the hip problem you know so and i think, I think what happens is yeah. it's that thing of actually the length on most kid, on most babies, the length is an oh, that's interesting yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not the thing which we're really having Clinically to concentrate relevant. on, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, it's um, and it's that thing. It's the cherry on the ke- on the top, rather than, in most cases, a really important piece of evidence. Yeah. What I often ask myself is, if I do this intervention or this assessment, will it change what the recommendations I would make are? Yeah, and if the answer to that question is no, then why are you doing it, really? Yeah, I've I've never suggested <laughs> do, I, after doing a length, I have never suggested 
hanging Changing a child out a window. My yeah, plan. You, yeah. Or hang, hanging a child out the an- the window by their ankles <laughs> to increase them by a few inches. No, no, no. Don't don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> that that was a com- that was a common threat that I used to. Or I say threat. A joke I used to do on children on, when I was working on the ward. That's we were four funny. floors up. And, oh, uh, yeah, it was like that. Or um, if they were really noisy, it'd be like, well, there's a tent on the roof for you tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless. Um, so, yeah, so I don't, I don't think that hip dysplasia is something we need to be worried about causing by doing the length, is essentially, is what I've found. But equally, yeah. like you say, if there's no reason to do it, then why do it? Um, yeah. I did find, on a side note, which we may not mention the hips again, I don't know whether we're planning to do a podcast on them or not, but I did find the International Hip Dysplasia Institute, oh. um, which their website is extremely informative yeah i think i don't know if i've mentioned this to you before but i did actually have um bilateral hip dysplasia myself when i was born did you yeah yeah and i was in and out of school so it would be something which i would probably find quite interesting for us to uh, look at although obviously my i can't really remember my lived experience But I do have, I do Your have pictures. Have some uh, stories oh, yeah. about the uh, the brace. I don't know. Oh, well, I've heard bits, but um, I do have a selection of photos when I was eighteen <laughs> months old, Christmas nineteen seventy eight. <laughs> yes you're always and dropping clues to your age Jen I know people well, are totally got... going to be able to calculate it that's fine I have no hi- <laughs> I, nothing to hide um, but of me on a very 70s furry kind of rocking horse thing nice. and if you look really closely I'm not actually sat on it because I was wearing a brace <laughs> that held my legs out at right angles and so my feet are on the floor and I'm actually about half an inch off the seat of this furry rocking horse <laughs> That's funny. Um, they obviously thought that yeah. would be a good way to date your photo. <laughs> well, I wanted to get on it, obviously. Yeah. I, I used to sit there reading a book, doing the box splits. I like your style. I can't do the splits anymore. I've never been able to do the splits in my living memory. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, International Hip Displays Institute, not once on their website, and it's very comprehensive, may I add. Oh. But nowhere on here can I find anything about the length measurement no so i feel like and if that was a potential risk they would definitely be mentioning it yeah i don't know if and i'm the putting one thing too I... much pressure on them here but no. and i think we are really lucky as well to say that you know the the royal college of pediatric child health yeah um and who are impartial um research-based yeah, yeah yeah absolutely um sources this for information this, yeah. yeah um it is one of those things where if you google it's amazing how quickly fed is best institute comes up yeah. talking about infant measurements now we've not had a chance to properly delve deep and look into what their recommendations are no. but it is worth remembering that the fed is best institute does receive funding from formula companies is by no means impartial mm. um and do i've never even come across their to... recommendations but, no yeah. well i've just noticed looking around when i was looking trying to find the uh the fact sheets oh, that okay. they came up quite quickly in the the google oh, um, okay. search That's results and it might be a totally innocent tool that they um that they signpost to but I just am yeah, yeah. very wary I think it's... of uh, going anywhere with them. 
Yeah, I mean, it's to be honest, it's a good guidance to bear in mind. And I think something that health visitors generally do is trying to go for the evidence-based um, organisations. If you've yeah. got guidance that's been produced by NICE and you've got guidance been produced by the RCPCH and by the WHO, then you don't need to look for guidance produced by other organisations because you've, you've no. got a really good, sound view of the evidence base yeah. there. So you can just use that. But they do have... Um, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, that's a really good point. But there's there's loads yeah. of detail on the fact sheets that we're going to link to. So, quite honestly, I really can't see anyone needing more, no, <laughs> more detail no. than what's on there. So I think we can sort of call this a wrap, can't we? Really, this we is um, everything. So, as ever, um, you can find us on Twitter at I am a HV. Yeah, um, we would love more followers on our Twitter feed. Oh, um, please follow us. We're not up to 200 yet. So please, if you have any other health visiting friends, I don't think That's we mental, are. Because we've had like four, four and a bit, four and a bit thousand downloads. So yeah, yeah. Oh no, we've, we we've hit the four thousand downloads. Yeah, I know. Well, we're obviously, obviously the people we do follow or the people who do follow us are uh, incredibly important, big, pertinent oh, people. Absolutely. But we'd, we'd like more. We'd like more. Um, we're also on <laughs> Facebook at I am, a, I am a Health Visitor. And you can always email us, um, I am a Health Visitor at gmail.com. I'm double-checking our Twitter visitors now, just to double... Or Twitter followers. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, no, 169 followers oh, at the moment. Okay. So, so uh, on, I am guys. talking... We are recording this in late March. If you're a Twitter so person. If you're a Twitter person, following let's see if we can... I mean, the really ambitious bit of me would say, let's go up to 300 um, by May. But um, <laughs> oh, wow. maybe, maybe just even hitting... <laughs> Maybe hitting 200 <laughs> anytime soon would be really nice. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, I mean, it's lovely we've got 160, but... We love our nice 169 people. followers. They're very we, valued, each and every They are, them. indeed. <laughs> Hello if you are listening. Actually, anyway. do you know what? We've had some really lovely mail, haven't we? We have, we have. Actually, yes. Oh, I we need to do a shout-out. We had a lovely one from Caroline. In Australia. Yeah, I couldn't believe who, that she's emailing us all the way from Australia where she lives. Yeah. So and uh, yeah, hello to you, Caroline. I know that you're now <laughs> you're now working as a, a practice nurse, having been a health visitor in the UK. But hello, your email absolutely made our day. Yeah, I know I did kind nice. of email you back saying this anyway, but yeah, hello again. <laughs> so yeah, so send us an email. We love to hear from you. Um anything we haven't covered as ever, let us know. We can always do a follow up. Yeah, indeed. And don't forget to uh rate and subscribe to us if you're listening on iTunes. Um I don't know quite which chart we would be in, but it'd be lovely to uh bob up the chart a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think it makes it people easier for people to find us, so it's always good. Yeah. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.